Welcome to the Northgate Church Podcast from the heart of Chester in the UK. Let's have the first slide on. And Rach, you've got a reading for us. Good morning. So I'm reading from Acts 2, chapter 2. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. On the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly, they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. Peter stood up with the eleven apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, my fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. You need to clearly understand what's happening here. These people are not drunk like you think they are, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. This is the fulfillment of what was prophesied through the prophet Joel, for God says, This is what I will do in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on everybody and cause your sons and daughters to prophesy. And your young men will see visions and your old men will experience dreams from God. The Holy Spirit will come upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I will reveal startling signs and wonders in the sky above and mighty miracles on the earth below. Blood and fire and pillars of clouds will appear. For the sun will be turned dark and the moon blood red before that great day, sorry, great and awesome appearance of the day of the Lord. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Wow, that was uh, an awesome reading. Thank you so much, Rach. Um, but I, I think that the, method, the, the Passion Translation and Rach reading it really brings it alive of that awesome um, happening that happened uh, at Pentecost. Well, um, I'm just going to give a few little reflections, um, but I'm focusing on expectation, the expectation of the Holy Spirit. Um, Last year, uh, someone asked me if I was looking forward to Christmas. And I knew that it was, well, it was probably going to be a lovely time, um, having the family down for a week. Um, And I knew it'd be a a time for some downtime, um, but I could not get excited about it. Um, I could not look forward to it with any expectation. Rather, my attitude was, well, when it comes, it comes. If the family come, Yes, well, they'll come and that, that'd be good. But do I have the energy for it um, uh, in, in the run-up for it? And, um, you know, because in the meantime, there's so much to do. Um, I won't even think about Christmas until Christmas Eve. And it was a little bit of a grind getting to Christmas. But as it so happened, I had a lovely time with the family. But... What I I began to realise, it was just after Christmas, really, and coming into the new year, I I realised that this non-expectation had become an unhealthy trait 
in my thinking. And it could be that I had subconsciously, I had I, like I pondered uh, over many times in the past that I have looked forward to something, then something has come along and scuppered it or spoiled it or been let down or I've been anxious about workloads or what I would need to be responsible for. So, and also of the times I feel I've had a brilliant idea and others have not bought into it and I've had to let all my ideas die. So it was kind of disappointment and so disappointment says, don't get too expected. Ex don't have too great deal of expectation. But I began to realize that this was not only not good for my mental health, but also it affected my faith levels. Um, because faith is all about being expectant and hopeful for things in the future. Um, yes, it does work. So the definition of expectation is a belief, a prospect, an anticipation, and hope. Now, I know we've looked into the topic of hope uh, in the past, because at the end of the day, it's hope that keeps us going. It's hope that gives us endurance and uh, resilience. Um, and it's hope that when the tough gets going, we can see our way uh, through. Um, and it's hope that sees us through to better, better times. So I decided that this would change for me this year. And uh, two big events were coming up. Um, one was a two-week holiday in Egypt, and the other was becoming a granddad. Now, I intentionally and purposefully allowed myself uh, to get excited and engaged in the expectation well before the event. And this, Lynn, you, you say, this is true of me, isn't it? I actually started talking about it and imagining it. I intentionally and purposefully allowed myself to get excited and engaged in the expectation of these events, that these were going to be a blessing for Lynn and me. So I allowed myself to imagine what it would be like. And in the case of Egypt, I started to picture the warmth, the good food, and the scuba diving, something I hadn't done for a good 15 years or so. And I, I engaged in it, I planned it, I prepared myself. I, I lost a, a stone in weight, I went to the gym three to four times a, a week doing um, swimming and cardio exercises. Um, I went to the hospital to ensure my pacemaker would stand the depth of going diving. <laughs> I wouldn't die. <laughs> Not that that was ever going to stop me. <laughs> um, but my uh, expectation was that um, even though I was about to get my state pension, um, I was going to be a fit guy who was going to enjoy the fullness of life, and I was going to start expecting for the best. And even with the um, prospect of becoming a grandfather within the next 10 days, 
I've allowed myself uh, to expect a life-changing event uh, to happen to Lynn and I. So I've imagined what it's going to be like being a grandpops. The different approach I will take this time round um, uh, and kind of correct some of the mistakes I made when I was a father, etc. And in truth, I'm looking forward to holding my first granddaughter. And I intend to milk the experience as much as I can. But I've also looked how being a granddad has affected Guy. Because he's besotted. He's, <laughs> um, he's devoted. He's a, he's a lovely, lovely granddad. I, I know many, many are here, but I've, I've looked at you, Guy. And I thought, I love it. I want to be like him. I want to enjoy the experience that, that he has enjoyed. So I have raised my expectation of what's, what's to come. So um, where am I going with this? So I'm going to start in Luke. Well, Luke ends his gospel uh, account with Jesus telling his, his disciples to be expectant. It says at the end of Luke, again from the Passion Translation, now you must go into all the nations and preach repentance and forgiveness of sin so that they will turn to me. Start right here in Jerusalem, for you are my witnesses and have seen for yourselves all that has transpired. I will send the fulfillment of the Father's promises to you, but first... Stay here in the city until you are clothed with mighty power, the mighty power of heaven. So this was a, this, he was saying what was going to happen and they were to expect, um, they didn't quite know the t um, exactly when, but um, that's, that's what he said. Wait, stay put and be expectant. And uh, this is what they did. So following on into the um, book of Acts, it picks up just before he ascended into heaven. Uh, Jesus left instructions through the Holy Spirit for the apostles he had chosen. And he says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift I told you about. The gift the Father has promised, for John baptized you with water, but in a few days from now, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And every time they gathered together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is it now the time for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he answered, the Father is the one who sets the fixed dates and the times of their fulfillment. You are not permitted to know the timing of all that he has prepared by his own authority. But I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be seized with power. You will be my messengers in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, the distant provinces, even to the remotest places on earth. So what did they do in this waiting time? Well, they stayed in Jerusalem, but... Um, there was this, it happened to be a, almost a seven-week period. So did they just wait and hang around? No, in actual fact, they used that time to prepare. They put their own house in order. Um, 
with the apostle Judas now deceased, they elected a replacement. They also met together, they talked together, they prayed together and sought to understand what had happened in recent weeks. And whatever it was, they were expectant for something unusual to happen, even though they had not fully uh, realised yet just who the Holy Spirit was and, and who was about to be unleashed on them. But their expectation in that period prepared them so that when the day of Pentecost did come and uh, their own hearts and minds were pliable and they were so pliable that they were, uh, it was enough to embrace the unprecedented, the unique and this awesome move of God. Their expectation prepared them for the unexpected. And I want that phrase to kind of stick with us this morning. Expectation prepares us for the unexpected. So when they were all together, did the words come up? No, it's the next one. There we go. So when they were all together in a prayer meeting about the size of the membership of Northgate, it was, suddenly the Holy Spirit arrived and uh, a wind rushing into the house from out of uh, the heavenly realm as uh, Rach uh, spoke, uh, read. And this, was, this rushing wind was no weather phenomenon. It wasn't any sandstorm, but it was the very breath of God coming as a roaring wind. And it was so overpowering. It was, it says in uh, verse 3, it was all anyone could bear it. And then something happened that, well, it might as well have come from a Marvel superhero movie. Because all at once, a pillar of fire, can you imagine a pillar of fire, uh, appeared before their very eyes, probably right where the callies are sitting, <laughs> right in the middle of the room. <laughs> don't, don't dodge it. <laughs> Catch it. Um, and it separated into tongues of fire and engulfed each and every one of them. And when I read this, it reminded me of... Um, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you know, in the furnace where they were surrounded by, by flames and fire, but they were not uh, touched. Um, but I love the way the Passion Translation puts it. It says, they were all filled and equipped. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. But they, the purpose was they were all filled and equipped. So this is where Jesus' church was, was birthed, and the rest is history, his story. But it isn't history. It's current day story. It's... It is the story of, for this, of this generation of Jesus' followers. So, 
Where, we are, where are we up to when it comes to the unleashing of the Holy Spirit in us? His, us, his disciples' lives. How is our expectation that the breath of God, the wind of God, the ruach of God can visit us and can dwell us in a tangible way? So let me just ask uh, two further questions. So I want you to, uh, us to ask ourselves, to what extent can we... Um, can you or I say to have had a supernatural encounter with a person of the Holy Spirit at some point in life um, to such an extent that it's been life-changing? Has that been your experience? And to what extent do I expect the unexpected to happen in the course of my everyday life? So what, to what extent am I aware of the Holy Spirit um, nudging me, whispering me to do something, say something, be something to someone else each day? Um, I, I liked, um, Sam Knott spoke to us at um, Easter time and um, Sally brought a testimony at the end of our, oh, it was last week, I think, but um, I like what they said when they said they pray each day, Lord, who will you bring across my path? Whose life do you want me to change? It is a lifestyle of expectation because it's intentional and it sets the course, our course, to be God-focused. I love that. And the thing is, Sally's got so many testimonies because that happens. Sam Knott has got amazing things of miracles because that is what he expects. He is expecting the unexpected to happen. He's got wonderful stories of just meeting people in airports and all sorts, anyway, but it's, it's amazing. So my, my first encounter um, with the Holy Spirit was when I was 19 years old. And I have to say, it was, for me, it was dramatic. Um, I've, I've related the story before, so I'm not going to really go into it. But for me, no one else was involved. I hadn't even heard of anyone else having had the type of experience that I had. But for me, it was a, a, a tangible infilling um, when I least expected it. And it was accompanied by a very clear vision uh, which has mapped the rest of my life. Um, it also um, resulted in a dramatic change to my personality for good, I have to say, <laughs> in a good way, yeah, where the next day I flushed away all my medication um, of my antidepressant um, uh, tablets. And I, I became a much brighter, positive and freer young man. Um, my, se my second encounter came... I think it was a year later. So uh, after the first one, I, I, um, I was living in Birkenhead and um, I went to a church called Grange Road Baptist Church um, in the, in the centre of, of Birkenhead. Um, and uh, my second, I, I, I then sought out water baptism because I knew God wanted me to be baptised as a believer. 
And um, around about that time, I had seen a book in a Christian bookshop called The Holy Spirit in You by Dennis Bennett. Some of you may know it. Anyway, it was a, a, uh, an early classic. And um, I didn't have the money. And then my grand gave me some money for my baptism. So I went and bought it. And basically, it was an instruction manual on how to be baptised in the Holy Spirit. And it took you through, each chapter took you through a, a place of self-examination, preparation, um, making sure you were clean on the inside, as it were, in order to receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And again, I was in untrodden territory. No one in the Baptist church had even talked of anything, anything like these things. But I prepared myself. I took this seriously and I prepared myself day by one, one chapter a day. And I, I, was, I diligently worked through because I wanted to be right with God to receive what he was to give me. Um, and it's preparation, I'm going to say, a little bit like probably the early disciples had in that interim period between Easter and Pentecost. But for me, it was all going to culminate in an experience of the Holy Spirit, and this book said I would speak in tongues. For me, the expectation and the preparation um, prepared me for the unexpected because I did not know what was going to happen. So when it came to the final chapter, I got myself into a, a quiet space and I, I waited. I waited. I, I waited and I opened my mouth and expecting... <laughs> I just had no idea what was going to happen. Um, but then it came and I started speaking in tongues. And this, this was not an end in itself. I told the pastor of the church um, what had happened. And he said, you keep this to yourself. This is your personal experience. You keep this to yourself. Don't breathe a word, especially to the young people. Well, I was part, I was an <laughs> integral part. And my life, had something had changed in me. And needless to say, it overflowed out of me. <laughs> and um, within a fortnight, six of the young people were baptised in the Spirit, speaking in tongues. And by the end of perhaps six weeks, most of them were. And so it really started to impact uh, the, the church. Anyway. But as I say, that was my own personal experience, but it came through preparation and expectation. Um, and the outpouring, I'll just say the out. The outpouring of the spirit and all the ensuing spiritual gifts is for purpose, just like it said in, um, uh, in, in Acts. It is for purpose. It is, it is for mission. It is for the expansion of God's kingdom. Um, and Lynn, you've got a few thoughts, haven't you, on... Um, because you, you've studied quite a bit about the Holy Spirit and have had a walk with the Holy Spirit and got some recent experiences. Um, well, it was just, again, <clears throat> I 
felt God say, this is a picture of what walking with the Holy Spirit is like for us. So, um, as Gerald said, when we were on holiday, we went scuba diving. And Gerald had always intended to go scuba diving. I hadn't really thought about it. I'd been scuba diving probably 30 years before once, and I got into trouble when I was under the water, and I honestly thought I was going to die. I didn't think I'd make it back to the surface. But anyway, um, this gentleman on the left doing this, this is a gentleman called Mustafa, and he was Gerald's driving, uh, driving, diving instructor. And... I went down to the pontoon where they dive off and I was the cameraman taking all the photographs. And this chap, Mustafa, he said to me, while I'm gone with Gerald, go up to the diving school and get a wetsuit and be here when I come back and I'll take you diving. So I thought, okay, in for a penny, in for a pound. So off they went diving and I had about 45 minutes an hour went and got the wetsuit and came back and went diving with Mustafa. And would you mind standing up? I just want to tell you, first of all, about the diving experience. Oh, so this is me diving. Um, I feel like I'd finally arrived. Do you remember Marina in... Um, Stingray. Oh, I'm really showing my age there. I thought, yeah, I've made it as Marina. But when we got into the water, so they put on the tanks and you've got lead weights round your middle to make you sink. Some of us need them less than others, but anyway. Um, and you get into the water, you've got the mouthpiece in your mouth and of course you've got the mask. And the, the key is you have to breathe through your mouth. You mustn't breathe through your nose. So we go under the water and Mustafa is beside me. When we go under the water, the first thing he did was he took my hand. And as we started to go down through the water, he put my arm underneath his arm and together we went diving. And I have to say, I don't think I have ever in my whole life felt so safe. Now, up until this point, we together on our own had been snorkeling and there were definitely times when I did not feel safe. The first day we went, there was a hundreds of jellyfish. So, you know, I didn't stay in very long. But when I was with Mustafa, I felt very safe. And as we went down, I would do different things and he would give me instructions. So when we first started going down, around me and he held this arm into me and what he meant was stop doing that just use your flippers so I'd learned my first lesson we're going down and I'm I've kept my arm in and we went down and there were other things that he said to me and two things were very obvious I had to trust him completely and I had to yield to him I had to do everything he told me to do but as we went down I did three dives with him each of them probably about an hour long and as we went down I have to tell you I was utterly utterly gobsmacked at what we saw so we would go down um so this fish apparently I didn't know 
It's incredibly dangerous. It's called a scorpion fish. A lionfish, sorry. And you can see how close it is to me. Um, and he's there with me. I wasn't in the least bit worried because he was there and he knew what he was doing. And I saw some amazing, utterly, utterly amazing things. I thought I'd seen a lot snorkeling, but each time we went down, because I yielded to him and because I trusted him, every time he would take me down deeper and I would see different things. So on the bottom, he'd, he'd poke something, which to me just looked like a rock. And suddenly its eyes would open and it would start moving about. And all the colors and everything else was amazing. And I felt God say to me, <clears throat> that's a picture, Lynn, of what it's to be like for each of us walking with the Holy Spirit. So the first thing is you have to show up next to Mustafa, next to the Holy Spirit. I could have stayed by the poolside lying on a sunbed while Gerald was diving, but I accepted the invitation and I went to Mustafa. And it's like the Holy Spirit is saying to each one of us, I want to take you on a journey, but we have to show up. We have the choice. Yes, Holy Spirit, I'm here. Please lead me today. The other two requirements are that we trust him and that we yield to him. Um, what is interesting is that for the diving, Gerald has a paddy license and he's done all sorts of studying and oxygen levels and nitrogen levels and all sorts of stuff. I had no experience whatsoever but I could go diving every bit as much as Gerald, even though he knows infinitely more than me. And that's the same with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we think, well, I have to have been a Christian 10 years before I will get, you know, revelation or anything from the Holy Spirit. But I want to say to you this morning, if you've been a Christian, one hour, you qualify. It's all about being in Jesus and turning up for the Holy Spirit. It has nothing to do with what you know or don't know at all. And the other thing is that as we walk with the Holy Spirit, so Mustafa gave me some instructions. He spoke to me when we were on the pontoon. But when we were under the water, he would often, he'd use hand signals or he'd, you know, clip my arm another time there was a great big gang of us snorkeling and um, when you have a mask on all you can see is what's in front of you you have no peripheral vision whatsoever because of the mask and one day all these people we were snorkeling on a reef and suddenly I felt my flipper at the back someone just pulled it twice and I knew it was him and I knew I was swimming in the wrong direction and therefore, uh-oh, you have to turn around and go back the other way. So when the Holy Spirit speaks, sometimes it is he speaks, but sometimes it's other ways that he speaks. You know, you might get a, a clip on your metaphorical fin and you think, I'm going the wrong way. And we need to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit but he has adventures and revelation for each and every one of us. And it is awesome. It's going to be multidimensional, multicolored, multifaceted. It's much bigger than any expectation we can have. We just have to show up.
Dankeschön. Over the years in uh, Northgate, we have known special uh, seasons of the move of the Holy Spirit. And I, I like some, probably so many here, could recount so many stories. Um, Northgate was birthed out of the charismatic movement and a fresh revelation of the person of the Holy Spirit. But my challenge to us is this Pentecost is what is our expectation for the unexpected to happen? And we must actively stir up our expectation, our belief and our hope that God will use us. Now, as a church, we are starting yet another uh, new chapter. Um, we have, uh, in recent months, we've dealt with some of the baggage of the past. We've been exhorted to become more intimate with uh, God, our Father. And uh, moving forward as a church, uh, moving forward as a church will require now everyone to play their part. Everyone to play their part. There can be no freewheeling. There can be no sitting back and saying, oh, so-and-so can do it because they always fill in the gap. This is our community and uh, each member is, is, is valuable. It, every member is God-appointed uh, sorry, God appointed, yeah, and spirit anointed to play their part. And it is up to us to be expectant of the Holy Spirit to move in us. And I'll come back to this axing, they were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit. It is our requirement to be expectant and to engage more fully with the Holy Spirit for us all to play our part. And I'll just say, let us all expect that the unexpected will happen. And I mean, unexpected in a good way. And I would just say, um, so this is the beacon that was um, up there, yep. It was uh, lit uh, this weekend as part of uh, the beacons across the nation that was at, um, by Go Outdoors down. Certainly way. Um, but it's, I, I pray is come, Holy Spirit, come and fill us anew. And just like the beacons that were lit, lit across the nation uh, this weekend, may we each be a burning beacon and may Northgate community be a burning beacon in this city. Expectation prepares us for the glorious unexpected. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Northgate Church Podcast. Find out more at northgate.org.uk or find us on social media by searching Northgate Church Chester.